All righty. Let the podcast begin. Hey, Thomas Cox here with my co-host, Taylor Sunderhouse. Hi, Taylor. Hey. Oh. Say Hola. hi, Taylor. Hello. How are you? <laughs> and we've got uh, a guest on. Our topic this week uh, is selling. We've been dancing around sales in some of our prior episodes, talking about client communication or uh, marketing. And we realized we really needed to do sales. And I, we got partway into planning the episode. I realized I would really much rather have someone much better than me on to talk about this important topic of, you know, you're a small business owner, you know, you've done your marketing well enough, you've got a sales conversation. Ah, uh, now what do I do? And I thought, well, I'd much rather have my old mentor and friend, Jeff Schneider, talk about this. Jeff uh, owns the franchise for the Sandler sales system in Portland, Oregon. Uh, although he's coming to us from his pad in Cabo San Lucas, I believe. That's correct. Hola. And so, Jeff, uh, a little background, please. You first got into sales as a profession really fairly early. Right out of college. Yeah. I, um, I was down at San Diego State. I was a marketing major. I was the president of my fraternity, um, Delta Chi. And I got a um, phone call from a recruiter and he said, you Jeff Schneider? And I said, yeah. And he said, marketing major about to graduate, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, you're the president of Delta Chi. I said, yeah. And he said, you make a great sales rep. You know that? I go, really? He goes, yeah, kind of set you up with some interviews. <laughs> That's how it began. And, uh, yeah, I was selling business telephone systems down in Silicon Valley, knocking on 300 doors a week and I uh, was in financial services for a while, but um, really I, I got into the media business, television stations. That's kind of where my career took off. And I moved up into sales management and realized that there were some things I liked about sales management, some things I didn't, but the part that really I was passionate about was coaching, training, and mentoring salespeople. Right. Because it's hard to be, it's hard to succeed at sales if you don't know how to do it well. And of course, Jeff, if you're managing salespeople, you, you can't just use your own natural skills and abilities. You got to help other people develop theirs. Yeah, then, I mean, there's there's two different parts of the sales management gig that are really important. There is first of all hiring the right people. That's not easy. Not everybody's cut out for sales. Right. We we all can learn to be better at sales, but sales is a tough uh, deal. And then the other part is once you hire them, nobody's really ready to successfully sell whatever your company sells. They have to have some training, some coaching um, to learn the ins and outs of how to sell that particular product. Right. So our audience, small business owners are either selling their products and services themselves. And usually that's what you're going to do for the first several years, or they either have hired or about to hire a salesperson. And then now, oh, great. Now you're a sales manager. Congratulations. That's right. Uh, and so let's talk about what Good. advice you find yourself, Jeff, most often giving people who are in that situation, small business owner selling their own product or service. Sure, sure. So I, I meet with a lot of small business owners. I just had a conversation um, this morning with a founder of a, a software company. And he's, if he's not the only employee, I mean, he's, he's pretty young in, in his uh, business. And he is probably going to sign up for some training and coaching with me. And he said, um, I really don't know how to sell, but I've been able to sell so far um, just because I'm able to um, articulate what it is that we do and why it's good. And uh, I said, you know, I, I run into this a lot with founders that they're smart, 
wickedly smart sometimes. <laughs> They're passionate. Um, they created the product for a very specific reason. So they believe in it and they can articulate it and they can have some success. And then they hire their first salesperson and they can't figure out for the life of them why that person can't do what they do. And, and so we call that non-transferable skills. The yeah. owner underestimates how good they are at what they do. And they don't know what makes them good at what they do, but they are baffled that they can't reproduce themselves. And, right. and so I, I would say to a small business owner, first of all, uh, know what your goals are. Do you want to scale? Do, do you have the desire of growing the business uh, 1x, 5x, 10x? And if so, um, will that require you to hire salespeople at some point and maybe even a sales manager? And yeah. if so, you really need to start thinking about that strategy long before you get there. Jeff, I, I do have a question here. Um, you know, how, how important is it for a salesperson, not only to, to understand sales and that type of stuff, but to understand the product that they're selling inside and out? Mm-hmm. It's important, um, but it may be a little bit less important than some people realize. Mm -hmm. what, what I mean by that is um, every company has a content matter expert. They have an engineer, they have a designer, they have somebody that you can trot out on a sales call if necessary to explain to the technical person on the buyer side what they need to know. Um, the salesperson doesn't have to be that person necessarily. Now, you want to amass as much knowledge and expertise as you possibly can, but Thomas knows this. I often tell salespeople, keep it to yourself. <laughs> don't, don't share. What, Thomas, why is it important that the salesperson typically keep that stuff to themselves? The last thing you want to do in sales is gush out all the details of your product or service when you could and should be listening to the buyer talk about what they need and why they need it and what they're priorities are. That's right. We have a Sandler rule. Uh, Sandler was founded by a guy named David Sandler, and he had a whole bunch of pithy little quotes that became Sandler rules. And one of our all-time favorites, Thomas probably remembers this one. is Don't spill your candy <laughs> in the lobby of the theater. That's right. You got it. Don't spill your candy. And your candy is your intellectual property, your technical prowess, your information, your industry knowledge, all that stuff. It doesn't cause people to want to buy from you. In fact, it often bogs down the brain of the other person and causes them to want to think it over. And think so it over it, is, a, is a short path towards no sale. That's right. The, the Sandler approach to selling is we want to get to yes or no outcomes where no is perfectly okay. We want to avoid think it over. And we want to do all this assertively, not aggressively. And Taylor, specifically to answer your question, I feel most salespeople can get by with less product knowledge than they imagine. It's just that they don't allow themselves to feel confident until they know a certain amount. And that lack of confidence prevents them from presenting themselves the way that they really should. You, you aren't supposed to know everything. And it's okay to say, I don't know. Well, I, I also think, you know, them not knowing everything or all the details, I think helps that salesperson from making that spill in the lobby because that's right. They can only spill what they only what they have. If they don't have it, they can't spill it. So I you know that's right. I, I think maybe to some degree it might help them if they yes. if they know enough to get the job done, but maybe not all those specifics like I like to know as a tech guy, you know. You're, you're <laughs> right things there. work and operate, you know. You're right. Go ahead, Tom. So, so the audience doesn't imagine that we're promoting ignorance in, in yeah. sales. Let, let me uh, offer this. Um, 
you know, the buyer is saying, gosh, well, is this going to be compatible with my existing system? And, and how do you know? And you could take that face value and try to answer it. Or you could say, you know, that's a really important question. Um, and we can't move forward without knowing about compatibility. Um, and I can find that out offline. And I can get back to you. But let's assume for a second it is compatible. Is that like all there is? Or, or is there another thing that's also on your mind? Mm-hmm. See, and so I, mm-hmm. I acknowledge the issue. I'm not going to not answer. That's right. But I'm going to direct the conversation and, and what else and what else and what else and make sure mm-hmm. we're unveiling all the things that are on the other person's mind. Absolutely. The, the uh, goal of a first meeting between a salesperson and a prospect should be for the salesperson to learn as much as he or she can about the prospect and their world and their situation and their pain, not for the prospect to learn as much as they can about the salesperson and their products and services. We, it, it, it just is not an efficient use of time for me to show up and take one hour and tell you all the things I do and how I do it. It's a much more efficient use of time for me to ask you questions about your situation so that we can figure out if there's even a good fit. Then I can come back and figure out what I have to do to be able to help you. So I want to make sure that we, I, I love how much fun we're all having here with this, and we could probably fill many hours. Um, and the title of our episode today was Perfecting the Sales Pitch, and I don't want to n- not touch on that. Yeah. So let's, speaking to our audience, our intended audience of you know small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, they, they listen to our marketing podcast, they, they've got some sales meetings coming up, they're a little anxious. They don't have what they think they're supposed to have a sales pitch. Should they? And if so, what should it be? What should not be in it? Uh, how, do they, how do they craft that kind of messaging, Jeff? You guys might not like my answer. And, Good. And I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you knew this, Tom, coming in, but um, I don't even like the term sales pitch. Okay. It, it, it implies that I get in a suit and a tie and I show up and I have a PowerPoint presentation. And you know, after we shake hands, I, do, I show you 45 slides and I just talk, wah, 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 wah. Um, we need to diagnose before we prescribe. A pitch I, I see as a prescription, right? right? Here's what I would recommend. And so when we get to the pitch, what I'm going to call the presentation, it really should be simply, here's the situation as I understand it. Here's the problems that we're trying to solve for. And here's my solution. It's very customized. And I leave out all of the extra stuff that sometimes goes into the PowerPoint deck, the picture of our headquarters, the picture of our founder, our guiding principles, our mission statement, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Now, all we really need to do is present a solution to the... um, to, to the problems that, that we uncovered. So in other words, um, every pitch is customized. Let me back up though. There, there are some exceptions. Um, if I meet uh, Taylor at a trade show and Taylor says, what do you do? I do have a pitch, right? We're, we're going to call it the elevator pitch, if you will. But, but the elevator pitch, 60 seconds, should be relatively brief, first of all, and also not about me and everything that I do. Right. Mm. So, so Taylor may say, what do you do? And I'll just say my company Sandler training. I work with companies that are dead serious about improving their selling performance. I just leave it at that. Right. And if he goes, what do you mean? Like, like how, how do you, right. Like he wants to drill down on that. Well, I mean, I do sales training, coaching, consulting. I, I, I help people solve problems. Sometimes the problems are prospecting and business development related because their people are scared to death to pick up the phone. Or, or when they do, they can't get past gatekeepers or access high-level decision makers. Or another thing that I hear quite a bit is, 
um, you know, they're, they're talking to lots of people, but maybe not the right people. Um, they don't really understand their ideal customer profile, or they'll really send out a quote to anybody who's willing to take a quote from them. We call it quoting and hoping. Another thing that I sometimes hear is selling cycles are long and, and they're getting longer. People always say, let me think it over or give us a call next month. They're not getting yes or no answers. And then another thing I sometimes hear is we don't even know if we have the right people on the bus in the first place. Our, our people are technical and they're very nice, but I don't think they're salespeople. So I help people with things like that. I don't know if any of that sounds familiar. Now, I want to pause and say, Taylor, you, I don't know if you noticed that everything Jeff said is a customer voicing a problem. He doesn't say what he does to solve it. That's he's right. just saying, I help people who are experiencing A or B or C. And he's describing experiences. And as you're listening, you're thinking, is that me? Oh, yeah. I, well, no, that's not me. Oh, that one's me. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching their face, of course, you're going to pick up on the body language. Right. Uh, and, and so when, I, when we probably inartfully titled this perfecting the sales pitch, I think what might really have intended to be, how do you have a proper sales conversation with somebody? Yes. yes. And I think so, like, so I, I would call that, from that Jeff, as, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's about as close as I come to a canned sales pitch is that right there. And, and that's my way of taking 60 seconds to explain what I do, as Thomas said, in the context of a third part, four third party stories about problems that are commonly experienced by my ideal clients. So we can decide if we're going to have another conversation or not. Could, and, could if, I, and if they have none of those problems, they're like, yeah, no, nice I, to meet you. Sound like me. Super. Very, very nice to meet you. What, what do um, you do? Could, could, could I, could I possibly phrase that a little bit differently just for understanding purposes? Sure. Could, could I phrase it instead of a sales pitch? Could I phrase it as, uh, you know, letting the person know, uh, who who you are and kind of what you do yeah in, in other in other yes. words in other words if i would just take sale the word sales and the word pitch out of it mm-hmm. it's if i'm meeting you at a conference right yes um in general you know you're probably interested to know what i do for a living and what attracted right. me here to the conference so you know it uh, i think uh you know the more the more i the more I hear this information, and Jeff, I, I'm learning this. You and Tom, I, I, I think of as, <laughs> as veterans at this. So this yes. is something you know I'm learning, and you know me being a technical guy, I want to spew all the details. And oh yeah, yes. I can program X to do Y and Z to do yes. this, and blah blah blah. You know, so, um, you know what what I'm understanding is is it's not really a pitch at all. It's more of, especially the conference example you gave. It's more of just general introduction and it's, that's right you know and then correct me if i'm wrong but there's also kind of a natural curiosity that takes place through the conversation so yes you yes. know i might i might say something that i do mm-hmm. uh, ha- have done in the past or currently do then then naturally you or whoever i'm talking to will go oh well how is that or what's that about you know mm-hmm. that's right and, it's conversational and, and then you you then you can go into a little more detail you know that's right that's right and and the powerpoint presentation i don't know about you but every time i pull up a powerpoint presentation i just watch everybody who's looking at it just glaze over (laughs) i'm not (laughs) anti-powerpoint but but if we're going to use it we have to use it in such a way that it invites conversation as opposed to a one-way monologue Gotcha. But, but I want to I want to point out what I didn't do there with Taylor. OK, if Taylor and I meet at a trade show and he says, what do you do? Here's what I didn't do. 
My company, Sandler Training, we're the world's largest sales training organization. I work with companies to help them revolutionize their sales process. I do this through sales training, coaching, consulting. I have a series of boot camps. I have a foundations boot camp via Zoom, 10 90-minute sessions. I have a prospecting boot camp. I have a weekly sales training program, meets on the Zoom, 75 minutes, blah, 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 blah. See, that, that's not of interest to Taylor, but it's possible that what we call my pain points my descriptions of the sorts of problems that I solve could be of interest. So I want to talk gotcha. about Taylor and people like Taylor, not about me. I got you. It, it, it sounds like when you said all that, I couldn't help but think in my head, if you just said it a little faster, it'd been, it would sound like the, uh, what the disclaimer they read on yeah. commercials, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, your Nobody listens to that. Nobody prohibited. listens to that. <laughs> but when I think of sales pitch, that's what I think of. Yeah. I think of that. And and let's not do that. Right. I call that right. the Heisman Trophy pose. <laughs> <laughs> it just creates negative psychological resistance. I got you. So, Jeff, you know... Um, you know, we, as Tom said, we have small business owners as our audience uh, yeah. for this podcast. And, you know, when, when we talk about scaling or, or somebody who wants to scale uh, the business, and let's just say for the sake of conversation here, we're, we're talking 5x, okay? You want to scale a business by 5x. How does that, how does that change as, as far as, you know, sales go. I mean, obviously the process with each individual is customized in, in, in a conversation, but is, is there, is there things you add to try to reach a goal throughout that conversation to re receive that yes or no answer a little quicker because you're trying to scale up or is it pretty much just the same and you're working to get as friend in front of as many people as possible? Let me, let me make some assumptions here, okay? And uh, one, one assumption would be that this company maybe is doing a million in revenue now and they want to go to 5 million. And they sell, um, uh, let's, let's say, outsourced IT services, okay? And, and so um, as they're looking to grow, they say to themselves, um, hmm, I think I want to hire some salespeople. Um, and maybe they've been working in a local market and part of their strategy is they want to expand into some other geographic markets. So maybe they want to move into Seattle, uh, into Eugene, into Boise, into Spokane. Let's, let's say that that's part of their strategy. So now they have to start thinking to themselves, okay, how are my salespeople going to go about doing this? Are, do I have to hire a salesperson in each of those markets? Or are they going to be working remotely? If they're going to be working remotely, um, how... Let's back up a little bit. Are they going to be sourcing their own leads or am I going to create leads for them? Mm. When, when, I, when I work with SaaS companies, software as a service companies, they're, they're kind of on the bleeding edge of venture capital and technology. And when they get a gob of money, they tend to spend it on marketing before they spend it on sales. And, and so they're going to build out their marketing machine. They're going to hire a couple of veterans who know how to use marketing automation software how to assemble a list of suspects 
that match their ideal customer profile. And they're going to begin messaging to these people and creating leads. They, they want to lead a consistent lead generating machine before they even begin to hire salespeople. And then they'll bring in a sales manager who has experience, who begins to hire the SDRs, the sales development reps. And these people are tasked with dealing with the leads and qualifying them before they pass them on to the AE, the account executive, who is going to be the person that's going to take it across the goal line. And the AE is more technically savvy. The SDR doesn't necessarily have to be, but they begin with marketing. So I mentioned this because that's a scaling model. I've seen it repeated again and again, and I'm sure, Tom, you have as well. And, and so that may be a little bit grandiose for the company that's trying to go from 1 million to 5 million, but some of the principles apply. What role is marketing going to play? Because for many small businesses, marketing means that they just have some SEO, right? And, and, their, hope, and, and their, their website has some forms that people can fill out. But if you expect your salesperson to source their own leads, there's a higher rate of failure there mm -hmm. because most salespeople, particularly when they come into a new company in a new industry, they'll pretend like they know what they're doing, but they really have no idea who they're going to call on. And they can waste a ton of time calling on the wrong people who are never really going to be a good fit and trying to wrestle them into buying something. And it's really a waste of time. Right. So gotcha. wouldn't we say then that the role of marketing is to be the one to many conversations that spark people to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with Correct. you about your, your product or service. That's right. And so it, marketing could be defined as all the one-to-many interactions. And if none of your one-to-many interactions are leading to people raising their hand, filling out a form, clicking a box, whatever, saying, I think I want to talk one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. then how are you going to have sales? Well, but traditionally, that never really happened, except in big corporations. And so sales has been the whole thing. I mean, if right. you think of sales as a river, right? Downstream is where we're actually working deals to close them. Um, upstream is generating the leads. And in the middle is what we call prospecting, right? But, okay. but for many smaller organizations, the salesperson is doing the whole thing. And there's only one or two salespeople. They're not given any leads. They're not given a territory. So, so when you're scaling, you have to think to yourself, um, am I going to invest in marketing? And, mm -hmm. and who can I find who understands not, not just branding, not, not, not just good colors and logos, but how to generate, first of all, how to figure out our ideal client profile. Mm -hmm. Let, let's start there. If that ideal client profile is not really nailed down, then your salespeople could be all over the place. You, you have to give right. them as well as marketing guidance on a, what is the ideal client that you want to work with. And then where are they? And then and, and social media, by the way, fits right in the middle of all this. Social media is both a one-to-many and a one-to-one, -one, right? right? And so smart marketers as well as salespeople understand that if they can identify their ICP and, and begin to build relationships with them on social media, that these one-to-many messages can turn into one-to-one -one meetings over time. But I, I think you have to think about territories. You have to think about um, verticals, right? I mean, it, depending on what you sell, some companies can only sell what they sell to 100 companies in the world. Others can sell to 100 million. And it's actually trickier when it's 100 million because then you have to say, how do I, where do I start? I've got one salesperson. And she can call anywhere in the world on any company. How do I direct her to start? 
Those are strategic decisions that uh, the owner has to make. So I'm going to dial us back to maybe the, the simplest case. Uh, mm-hmm. Solopreneur uh, knows she or he has to sell. Um, watched our marketing podcast to, and, and took our advice and our guidance and they've got some sort of a presence and some sort of a fishing line out there. And they say, well, I, I help this kind of person with this kind of problem. Mm-hmm. And, but there's no leads yet. So they have to prospect. I don't think yeah. I gave proper attention to the word prospecting before. And I feel like that's a really important concept. What do I, as a solopreneur do? I've got my marketing presence and I haven't prospected yet. Yeah. Or if I have, I didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it depends. And uh, one, one of the things that we talk a lot about in Sandler is a cookbook. I'm mm-hmm. familiar with this term, a cookbook, meaning um, a prospecting plan, a set of activities that you're going to engage in on a regular basis to be able to access your ICP, your ideal client profile. And so um, the activities that could go in your cookbook include things like making cold telephone calls, making cold walk-ins to businesses, mm-hmm. going to networking events, going to trade shows, using LinkedIn, asking for referrals, building up strategic alliances, and a whole bunch of other things as well. But that, that gives you an idea of the various things that you could engage in. My advice to people, solopreneurs, is to pick five that make sense to them and to put a certain number of attempts against each of them. Just build out a spreadsheet. I'm going to make 25 cold calls next week. I'm going to try and reach out to three potential strategic alliances. A strategic alliance is somebody that shares your ICP, right? So if you are a home builder, they might be a uh, home remodeler or I don't know, that, that isn't a good example, but, but you're, you're going after this. You're not a competitor, but, but right. you're going after the same sort of ICP. Yeah. Uh, Patricia Fripp used to own a very high-end men's hair salon in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And she got in very tight with the, the places that sold the top high-end men's suits. There you go. If you want, if you want a high-end man suit, you're probably going for a high-end man haircut and vice versa. And so she carried coupons for them at her store and they had coupons for her, you know, he'd get a free uh, haircut if you buy one of her suits. And it was just cross-referral and, and, and cross-validation. And they okay. grew each other in a, in a completely non-competitive cooperative way. Uh, so, you know, who else is selling to your customer something right. that in no way competes with you and, and maybe in some sense complements you? That's right. There, there's a lot of overlap between the ICPs, right? So great, right. great example. Tom. So a you know, hundred dollar haircut oh. might go very well for a guy with a $2,000 suit and vice That's versa. Right. That's right. In, in my business, I'm in, I'm a managed service provider. I do a lot of tech support mm-hmm. and a, a great example of that in my business is uh, internet service providers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We go, we, we go after the same clients. And what I'm finding is, is the internet service providers, all they want to do is give the customer internet. Mm-hmm. They want to pass off the idea on who helps them hook things up to somebody else. They don't. They don't want nothing to do with that. That's right. <laughs> Especially the 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 account manager who set up the business account. They look at the customer and go, um, "I can't help you with that, but here's Taylor's card. He might be able to assist you with that." That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Finding people like that who are currently agnostic and making them a little bit biased towards you. Right. That's that's right. really kind of the goal there. Absolutely. Yeah, 
I remember in a in a business networking group, it, it's BNI I was a part of. I, I believe they referred to that as a as a power team. Yes. In some BNI just being one example, but I'm sure there's many and and in that particular group they referred to it as a power team. It's you you all essentially are going after the same, you know, That's ideal right. customer. That that is a great concept and a, and a very good way of putting it. So what what the solopreneur I think needs to do is come up with this cookbook, this prospecting plan of five different activities and put some numbers against it and block out time in their calendar. Block out time in your calendar. Keep this time sacred to do this behavior because it's it's so central to your success. And just do the behavior even when you don't feel like it. Do the behavior even when it doesn't seem to be netting results, but put together your weekly plan and at the end of every week, Friday afternoon, analyze data. Because all you're doing is creating data, right? And so you, you, maybe you made an assumption that you're, you're going to make 25 cold calls. You're going to have 10 conversations and set up three appointments. And what you find is you don't have 10 conversations. You only have two. What's going on? Well, you're getting screened by the gatekeeper. Well, what do you say when the gatekeeper says, you know, can I ask uh, what the purpose of your call is? Well, I'm calling to sell them internet services. Okay, let's not say that. <laughs> let's let's work on this a little bit, all right? But, well, but it's like a bottleneck in a factory. We're, we're going to start with behavior, and we're going to get data, and then we're going to look at ratios, and we're going to figure out what's not working and work on it until it works. Right, right. No, I, uh, I see that. And then the other thing, too, uh, Jeff, I, I talked with this with Tom and a either offline or in a different episode. I uh, sadly, I forget which one, but it all blurs together. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so um, one of the strategy I, I had, and I just kind of want to get your input on this is um, I volunteered this year to be the chairman of a local Christmas, my local Christmas parade. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons uh, I was told I should do that by a friend was Taylor, by being the chairman of the local Christmas parade, it gives you a reason to talk to the business owner of every local business. Mm -hmm. it, it allows you to get into the, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> past the gatekeeper, as was described, you know, mm -hmm. and, and talk. Now, of course, I'm not going to, you know, rattle on about what I do or whatever, but what I am going to do. Uh, because it's relevant on both sides is I'm going to leave my card mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he, sh he or she should see on my card what I do. Yes. And my hope is, is I'm leaving my card so he can reach out. He or she can reach out to me as far in regards to the parade. But what I'm hoping is they reach out to me before or after the parade, or they go on my website and inquire more mm -hmm. have you tried that approach do you recommend that type of approach i just kind of want to get your input on that well i like it taylor and um i i would say that it's akin to um being on a charity board uh joining committees within uh you know the chamber of commerce portland business alliance gr groups like that um i was in rotary for a couple years and uh, wonderful people um, but what dawned on me was that um, I was there primarily for business reasons, but I, I was, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I understood what Rotary is. Rotary is a service organization. 
And, and if you join it and you're going to build relationships, you build them long-term and you roll up your sleeves and you go out and dig holes and, you know, build benches and all of those sorts of things. And your heart has to be first and foremost for the event or the people or the cause, right? Don't join a charity board to get business. Join it because you care about the charity, but know that you'll probably get business long-term, right? I think you will, Taylor. But, but I also think that you're going to, you know, create a Christmas parade and do a lot of work and, and, and you, you have to enjoy um, that giving back because it really is giving and in that giving you can get, but it's also quite possible that you won't and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Well, I, I, be honest with you, just, you know, short bio, I've been volunteering in my community for charitable organizations since I was you know, 13 years old. Okay. That's your uh, DNA. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's in character for Taylor to be volunteer. Excellent. Yeah. So, excellent. Okay. you know, so it, and, and I was, I was always told by my parents that, you know, what, when somebody's interested in doing business uh, with me, it's with me, it's because of me, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, there's several organizations that do what I do. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. because, you know, the person, you know, the ownership, you know, uh, the, the decision makers that, you know, business are, are choosing to, to, they like me, they like what I do. Yes. So they're choosing to do business with me. I suspect what's going to happen, Taylor, is the kind of people who find your, uh, your, your involvement in the community attractive are themselves think that that's a respectable thing to do. Yes. And the, the kind of take no prisoners businesses, just business kind of, you know, detached from the community person won't respect it, but you wouldn't probably enjoy working with them anyway. Right. That's right. right. So th- this, Very this true. may be a, a two-way filtering process in some sense. Yeah. So, 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 you know, Jeff, it's just one thing. Thank you for your input. It's just one thing mm-hmm. I kind of, kind of want to run, run by you as well. I know me and Tom have talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when one of my early successes was, is I built a nonprofit from the ground up, a nonprofit radio station. Wow. And I basically demonstrated to the community that I'm very tech savvy in the mm-hmm. process. And I didn't realize I was doing this, that I was. Until you made... got your ninth or 10th phone call from people. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't realize I was doing this, but it's indeed mm-hmm. what I was. So when I announced that, Hey, you know, I have a tech support business. I got phone calls almost yeah. immediately because they're like, well, you helped the community. You put together a radio station. Clearly, you know, tech. So mm-hmm. I'll call mm-hmm. you and see if you can help me with my issue. So, you know, I, I find that uh, what you do for the community or what you do in general and what people know you for, mm-hmm. for example, Tom, knows you really well and knows mm-hmm. that you're an expert in the topic we're talking about. So I've had extensive experience uh, learning <laughs> valuable things from Jeff. And when I've used his <laughs> advice, it's worked. So mm-hmm. yeah. I tend so, to refer people to Jeff a lot. It's, you know, uh, I, I find it very, very rewarding when, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't have to make the quote unquote sales pitch. It's, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it feels you're like you're warming up fr- your network is what you're doing and you're creating visibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels right. like more of a, a friend's conversation more than anything. It's, you know, it's like, you know, I'm hey, going to offer you, you know. I'm going to offer you a thought. 
that I'll see, I'll see if Jeff uh, approves of my, my gloss here on what I thought I learned from him ages ago. So you're talking to your person who's a business owner about the, the parade. Hey, Billy. Hey, Chris. Christmas parade's coming up. Uh, I'm the chair this year. I would love to have your support again this year. I know you were in it last year. Maybe they weren't. You should join this year, whatever you're going to tell them. And at some point in the conversation, you'll say, hey, I don't know if you've never worked with me before. Um, would it make sense for me to tell you in 15 seconds what I do? I, mean, I can see what you do because I'm here in your shop. I'm here at your place of work. Um, should, I, should I tell you, you know, get permission? So yeah, I, I do outs, out, outsource tech support for folks like boom, 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 you name a couple of people that, that you know that they know. Um, you don't have any. And then the only thing I want to say about that before we get back to the parade is you haven't got any urgent needs along those lines that you'd want my help with, do you? And they probably say, no. So yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. Anyway, so back to the parade. And so you've mentioned it. what you do. You've done it. I think it's called the strip line where you're assuming the answer is no. And they go, yeah, that's correct. There's no, that's what I thought. And so they don't, you're not doing the Labrador puppy jumping at their face, trying to lick them. It's like, do you have any work for me? <laughs> I work with you. <laughs> you're like, ah, and it's very uncomfortable when a person is eager, anxious, uh, annoying, creepy, uh, trying to get you to buy from them. That's why people hate salespeople. Uh, and they hate being salespeople as they imagine that kind of interaction. So do the opposite. Very respectfully say, you haven't got any kind of need like that that you need me for, do you? So let me, let me, let me, let me break down what Tom just did, if I could, because it was really good. Um, Tom, Tom is a heck of a student, and um, now he's capable of teaching this stuff. Um, the, the first thing was he got permission. So our system, I call it a trusted advisor system because we are assertive but not aggressive. We get permission for everything that we did. So what he said was, hey, would it be okay if I took, you know, less than a minute, you know, maybe 45 seconds and explain what I did and just see if uh, there's any way I could be of help? Are you, are you open to that? That's what we call the upfront contract. And that's key because once we get permission to do it, we're not being pushy at all. If, if he just would have launched in and said, hey, here's what I do, 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 do. Um, that can come across as pushy. But, but when he says, would it be okay if I just took, you know, no more than two minutes, probably just a minute and, and explain what I do and the types of companies I, I help and how I do that. And then you can tell me if you'd ever want to hear more. Is that okay? Once we have that upfront contract, if we can stick to it and, and just take a minute and, and explain, you know, I do this and this and this, and then go into those pain points. Sometimes people struggle with bandwidth. Other people have issues with uh, spam. And, and uh, you know, some people have had some catastrophic breakdowns. Others are just worried about what would happen if their confidential information was compromised. Um, I, I don't suppose those are things that uh, concern you, though, right? That's what he called the strip line at the end. I don't suppose, I'm not making any assumptions that those are issues you face or that you're concerned about. And again, if the response is not really, it's just, okay, well, now you know what I do. Let me know if I can ever help you or somebody you know. No harm, no foul there. And, and I think that's good soft selling. And I, I like it because I feel comfortable using a, a, a leaning back. I've asked mm -hmm. for permission. I'm, I'm assuming that they don't need me. That's which right. people are happy to agree with. That's right. I'm also happy to contradict you. It's like, no, 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 yes. actually, I need that pretty urgently. Like, yes, oh, okay. They are. 
and and it, it maintains a respectful uh, distance between us. And if I'm not, if I weren't comfortable saying it, I'd never say anything. That's so right. I got to find the thing I may I am willing to say. That's right. And a strip line feels comfortable to me, and the Labrador puppy. Uh, yeah, doesn't. Yeah, not cool. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, we, we, we call it a strip line, by the way, because that, that's a fishing term in which instead of yanking on the, the fishing pole and pulling with all your might when the fish nibbles, you just give it line. You, you do the opposite of what the fish would expect. And so in the same way, we're doing the opposite. Instead of saying, hey, I bet you you could really benefit from this, couldn't you? We go, you probably don't have these. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that, that these aren't relevant to you right now. Because if they're going to argue with you, then the argument is, no, actually, we do. Oh, really? Right? I'm kind of surprised now. Tell me more. And we're just in a conversation now. No pressure. Uh, I was always told it never hurts to have a conversation. That's right. Ever. That's right. It never hurts to have a conversation. Exactly. Yeah, especially and a respectful one where you're really curious about them. And you're trying to make sure that they, you, you hear them deeply. And if they have no problems that you solve, you hear that and you respect it and you don't try. But yeah, but maybe just maybe you could find a way to work with me. It's like, no, yeah. no, no. I, uh, I try and begin every sales call uh, with an upfront contract that begins with something like this. Thomas, thanks for your time. Can I share with you my goal for our meeting today? Sure, Jeff. Is that okay? It's real simple. I, I just want to see if there might be a good fit here between what I do, sales training, coaching, consulting, and what you and your people may or may not have a need for. I'm not making any assumptions. You need my help from the right person to help you. Okay. That's how I begin. And, and that's designed to help him relax and realize that, okay, this is not going to be a high pressure pitch. This is going to be something very different. Right. And then I, then I move into to figure that out. I want to ask you some questions today. Right. So that he understands that the flow of this meeting is primarily going to be me asking you questions for us together to figure out whether you, whether I have something that you might need or not. Think of it as the opposite of how it's, it's almost like a negative pressure sales system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not quite vacuum of outer space, but it's like, right. you're, you're leaning back. It's the opposite of pressure. It's deeply, deeply respectful of you and them both. That's right. Which is why you could do this all day and not mm -hmm. feel slimy or exhausted. That's right. And, and you're not going to burn relationships. You're actually going to build them. People will say no to you and like you and have had a lovely conversation with you. Yes, that's right. And, and be positively disposed toward you. And then next week, their server blows up. I'm like, who is that nice guy? Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about this. That's right. Yeah. So you, yeah. you can see why I found the Sandler system so uh, delightful when I, when I first encountered it many years ago. It should feel comfortable to all parties. Yeah. Everybody remembers uh, the delightful and the positive experience mm -hmm. in, yeah. in, in anything. So whether it be conversation or, or et cetera. So, yeah. Um, so let's, let's try to wrap up. I, we don't, we didn't create uh, show notes in advance of this episode, which I would have done if it were just Taylor and me. Uh, so what I'm going to do is watch the episode over again <laughs> and make some notes, but let's build the outline here together of what we talked about and what probably some takeaways are for people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, if you're a small business owner, you either are the salesperson or you might have a salesperson. Either way, you got to be clear that selling is the one-on-one -on -one conversations from your prospect list, from the marketing that leads to 
to buying conversations and ultimately a closed sale and the delivery of a product or a service. And if you don't have your marketing figured out, sale, selling is going to be very, very hard. Mm-hmm. So please have some sort of marketing system in place, some sort of one-to-many communication where you are expressing what kinds of problems do you solve and for whom. And if, you, if that's as far as you get, you're ahead of a lot of people and that's super. Do not spend all your marketing dollars on your patented 23-step process or your bio in your last 10 years of work history. Nobody cares. They want to know what problem you solve and who you solve it for. Mm-hmm. And you say that in your marketing. The next step probably, I guess, is prospecting, Jeff, that mm-hmm. we're going to have to work our network and knock on doors and visit the neighbor business. Uh, you'd be surprised how uh, receptive people are when you say, hey, I'm your neighbor from mm-hmm. three doors down. It's like, oh, <laughs> we're neighbors. We better get along because we, yeah. we live near each other or That's we right. work near each other. Uh, and so, yeah, knocking on the doors of your of neighboring businesses is totally legit and, and perfectly reasonable. And that's one of the ways you prospect, calling old clients, calling people who you had a prior sales conversation with and it wasn't a good time for them, uh, calling down a directory of people you're in an association with, just to have one-on-one conversations and, hey, you know, remind me what you do exactly and let me tell you what I do and let's, mm-hmm. you know, be, be aware of each other's business. Join a BNI, join something where you get some visibility that's appropriate for your personality and in your business. Now that you're prospecting, we start having sales conversations and that's where maybe our, our title was uh, a touch misleading because <laughs> none of us here on this uh, podcast really believe in sales pitches so much as we believe in um, might be called a, a fishing line of, you know, I, I solve this kind of problem for this kind of person. And then, if, and everyone who hears that's going to, automatically be wondering, is this me? And if it is, they'll probably indicate with their face or, or they'll say something mm-hmm. uh, that you've just struck a nerve, that you just touched on something that's important to them. Naturally. What I, yeah. What, what else am I, should we be recapping here? Because we covered a lot of ground. Well, one of the takeaways I took from this is mm-hmm. um, I'm more engaging in a conversation with somebody because I would like to help them or would like <laughs> to see if I can help them. I am not just trying to hand them a product and they hand me money and then I walk away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, and and I, think, I think if you have a, a caring type personality and the willingness to help people and not just make a sale, I think you would be a person of... of uh, an advantage of some kind. I like that, Taylor. I, I I have to remind myself sometimes because I don't prospect as much as I once did. But when it comes time to prospect, that's you're going to get rejection. I have to remind myself. I'm just trying to help. I'm I'm just trying to build new relationships and see how I can be of help. And you know, one of our sandal rules is I'm independently wealthy. I don't need the business, which, which sounds very tongue in cheek. But it's like if you had twenty million dollars in your bank account. For me personally, I'd like to believe that I would be freed up from every pressure that I sometimes feel to, you know, bring in food and, you know, pay for the mortgage and all that stuff. And I'd just say, okay, who, who am I going to help? What do I have to help people with? How can I, what, what, what can I offer people? And who is there for me to help? And then if I made a phone call, you know, if, if I'm, um, I don't know, and say just one of the richest people in the world, Warren Buffett, right? And I call somebody, I'm, I'm just like, I'm done doing that, but I still want to be useful. And I call somebody, hey, it's Warren Buffett. I, uh, 
just want to know if you want to get a cup of coffee and maybe get, you know, help you with some, with your finances. And they're like, no, thanks. This is Warren Buffett. You heard me, right? <laughs> but it's like when they go, no, thanks. He's like, okay, fine. <laughs> no big deal. I'm just offering right. to help. In other words, the only pressure here is the, the, the pressure of the buyer's need to solve a problem. There's no right. pressure from the salesperson to try to make a sale that shouldn't happen. That's right. I'm here to help. All right. And I, I like to begin with my goals to see if there's a fit here. I'd love to be of help if it makes sense, both for you and for me, but I'm not right for everybody. And I'm not making any assumptions that you need help. All right. But that, then that becomes a cornerstone of the conversation. Do you need help? And am I the person to help you? Well, Jeff, in that case, I appreciate you helping this podcast, my friend. <laughs> and I appreciate you being here. <laughs> my pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> what, Jeff, where, where can people find you and find your work? Mm -hmm. So um, if somebody's interested in speaking with me, jeffs at sandler.com is my email. My website is schneider, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R, schneider.sandler.com. And I have a whole bunch of videos, like 200 of them on YouTube. You can search for Jeff Schneider Sandler Training. Awesome. And of course, we'll have links in the description of this mm -hmm. podcast as well. Very Go ahead, good. Tom. Sorry. <laughs> no, I just want to express my uh, appreciation for, for Jeff coming on. Uh, and helping our listeners and viewers to uh, to do what we want to do as sales as as business owners, which is to you know sell our products and services to people who need them and mm -hmm. to make the world a better place in the process. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeff, you I know you've made my life a lot better mm -hmm. uh, through through the work you've done, and I know you will for many others. Thank you, Tom. Good to see you. As All right, uh, for everybody listening, thank you for listening. We certainly appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe to us. You can subscribe to us anywhere you get podcasts, including iHeartRadio. Our website is smallbusinessdownload.com. And we're also, if you want to see the video version, we're also live on YouTube. Uh, I'm Taylor. That's I'm Thomas Tom. Cox. That's Jeff Schneider. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.